0: This day, Lord, be born in me. This day, teach. This day, heal. This day, win in death. Surprising prizes. This day, rise. This day, rise in me. And on a day when so many people are putting themselves through great feats of endurance to win Prizes for running, and we as disciples of Christ put ourselves through great hardship and struggle sometimes to win the prize of eternal life and the place in God's kingdom. Let's remember that in all the changing circumstances of our life, God is certain and unchanging and eternal. We'll do that by singing together from the Green Christophian Hymn Book, Hymn 81. Everlasting, changing never. Of one strength, no more, no less. Thou, almightiness forever. All the same, thy holiness. God eternal, God eternal. All things, all, dost thou possess. In a moment, I'm going to ask Neil to come and share with us our news and announcements and our plans for the days and the next few weeks ahead. As Neil comes to do that, I'm going to pass around our collection bags. The first is for uh, the general fund the expenses of running this church and the second um, is for a charity called Panda. Now Helen May from the Bethel is probably as we speak now running the London Marathon and she's collecting money for this charity Um, We're collecting now um, if you haven't got money with you then you can also donate online to support Helen and the fundraising that she's doing this morning on behalf of that charity. She says I'm raising money for Pandas a charity which supports families struggling with pre- and postnatal depression and their work um, raising awareness of this illness so that symptoms are recognised and treated much more effectively. As some of you may know, my family and I needed lots of support when I suffered with postnatal depression several years ago. Thankfully, I made a full recovery, and with help from charities like PANDAS, many others will recover too. So that's our second collection and why we're collecting for them.
1: Thank you, Richard. Morning, all. Welcome to the Bethel. Um, I'd just like to particularly welcome our visitors this morning. Um, it's great to see uh, Heather and the girls here. Um, it's great to see Nate and uh, Jeff and Andy Vicky and Paul and uh, Richard. No, Margaret. No, Margaret. Richard. Well, thank you. Send hours back to her, please. Uh, Richard is uh, exhorting this morning, so it's great to have you here with us. Um, Yeah, welcome everybody. Um, Father, please bless our arrangements for this coming week and and beyond, and uh, please be with us here this morning. Uh, You may know that Peter has been in hospital this week after having had a fall. Um, He's feeling fine and is due to be discharged home shortly with a a care package. He loves seeing people. He is still in the MRI at the moment. Um, uh, You'd need to, to phone before visiting. Let's say phone who. Phone Ward Five five, after MRI before visiting. Just check that that's okay. Of course there are. There are two Ward Fives. If you don't get the right one first time, try the other one. Talk to Jan. She knows. Love it NHS. Um, And I'm a believer. Ian went to hospital this week as well, Um, he's had some treatments, glad to be home, good to see you here this morning Ian. Um, Liz's mum, Pam, um, still needs our prayers and would be encouraged by cards, Um, she's now begun her chemotherapy treatment. We understand that Juan's brother is making progress, Um, Marion was very glad to be able to be here last week and sends her love. Um, Pearline's having trouble with her back at the moment um, and needs our prayers and love about that please. Um, Alison has asked us to pray for for Daniel and Phoebe about their family circumstances at the moment. So we need to keep them in our prayers. Um, And as Richard mentioned, Helen's running the marathon today in London, um, uh, which is uh, such an encouragement to remember how God works in our lives. We pray for her and the charity she's running for and for the safety of all the runners and spectators today. There are many of our family that we seldom or never see and it would be good if we could remember them in our prayers and if possible, get in touch. Thank you.
0: We're going to spend some time in prayer um, thinking about the people that Neil's mentioned. Is there anybody else or anything else that we should remember as we approach God together? Tim. Okay, so if you didn't hear that, Tim was telling us about Um, someone at Winton who's taken their own life and the impact then that's had on his wife and their three children and the rest of the church there. Okay. So there's lots of things that we've shared publicly. There will be things on your own hearts and minds, worries and concerns, and we'll spend some time now just sitting quietly, and it's time for you to offer and voice your own prayers, to remember These people, and after we spent that time in silence together, I'll close that time of prayer um, for us all. Father God, you are eternal and unchanging. Our troubles and our time are relentless with change and with trouble, but also with joy and delight and happiness. I pray that by the power of your spirit, through our relationship with you, And your son Jesus, that your certainty, your eternal purpose and the constancy of a faithful God might be real and close and powerful and present to each one of us and to all those people that we brought near to you this morning. Amen. And so we'll ask for God's presence to be with us as we sing together our next hymn. It's from the Green Christophian Hymn Book, number 406. (coughs) Abide with me. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Remember this, it's not the end of the world, and if it was, it would matter even less. So Richard Leng, my father-in-law, is here. He's going to come and encourage us in a few moments, but before he does, Vicky's going to come And read for us 1 Corinthians chapter 13.
2: The first letter to Corinthians chapter 13. Um, We'll start at the end of chapter 12. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love.
3: Good morning. One of the great pleasures of of, uh, coming to the Bethel uh, is to listen to your music and to listen to your praise, and to and to join in it. Although I confess, I missed the drummer, and uh, uh, and the drums. Uh, hope to hear it again. Uh, I, I'm I'm i, I, I mentioned this uh, mainly to ingratiate myself to you and get you on my side at the beginning. I was always taught was a good technique, but but also because the hymns that we've sung. Are, are, are very much uh, the theme of, uh, am I booming a bit, am I okay, all right, um, uh, very much the theme of, uh, that I want to talk about, particularly beginning with that first hymn, Everlasting, changing Never," of one's strength, no more, no less, thou almightyness forever, all the same, thy holiness. The hymn celebrates the unchangeable nature of the God and the old and the New Testament. We have another hymn, Thou wast and art and art to come, and everlasting is thy name. And we are drawn to this unchangeable nature of God. It's a theme that we particularly find in the Psalms. Thou wast from everlasting to everlasting. God makes an everlasting covenant with Abraham, confirmed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in this everlasting unchanging nature of God uh, that, that our hope is based. Just If I can just refer to a single psalm, Psalm uh, 125, and we've got a hymn based to this, which is quite difficult to sing, but you'd have eaten it, to be honest. Most meetings wouldn't. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Uh, the psalmist compares the unchangeable nature of God To a mountain uh, which he sees cannot be moved, or a mountain that uh, cannot be changed. And to somebody who was living a thousand or so years BC, that's how a mountain would seem something that's always been there, and that always will be there, and never changes. But it's not so, is it? Not that this means scripture's wrong, but we know differently, don't we? We know that mountains are not fixed. We know that mountains are thrown up over geological time by plate tectonics. It's something only discovered uh, in the 20th century, not very long ago. And then they can be worn away by, by ice and by water. And if they're volcanoes, like Mount St. Helens or Mount Santorini, uh, they can blow themselves up and uh, disappear in a day and, and cause uh, an enormous amount of change. Uh, Even the Apostle John conceives in the last book of the Bible that Mount Zion will eventually be split in uh, us by an earthquake, split apart. Uh, And this got me wondering whether or not there is actually anything in our world, anything in our own world other than God, that is unchanging or unchangeable. And I started to think, what is there that that never changes? Could it be that unchangeability is the thing that distinguishes God from man? It's maybe one of the things that defines God. That, that, that God never changes, but everything else does. And it was in—see, I chose the first hymn. I didn't choose the second hymn, but it's perfect, Rich, isn't it? Change and decay in all around I see. O thou that changest not, abide with me. And we're going to be think later in 1 Corinthians 13 about those things that uh, abide. So, so maybe God is the, is the only thing in our world that never changes. If that's true, it's a, it's a very modern idea. There was a time uh, before the time of Galileo and even Copernicus, when people believe with good reason that the earth was like a rock that never moved. The earth was fixed. They believed it because that's what they could see. And they believed that the sun, moon, and the stars went around the earth. Uh, and they believed it because they could see it. And then Galileo trained his telescope, what was it, on the moons of Jupiter, I think. And everything changed. All ideas changed. He, he perceived, he demonstrated that, the, uh, that uh, the earth orbits around the sun like all the other planets in our solar system. A brilliant, brilliant discovery. And what did he get for it? Persecution and hassle from the Catholic Church. He was forced in a shameful act to recant the truth that, that he had discovered, threatened by horrors. He recanted, although as he left the court, it is alleged that he still said, yet it moves... It was undeniable, and we haven't too much time to dwell on this. But why did the Catholic Church, and I think the Catholic Church only recanted uh, their era I think it was the 20th century. Can anybody remember when it was? But it was very recently. The, 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 their problem was is that they equated uh, being mistaken about the solar system uh, as being mistaken about everything else. They, they, they couldn't distinguish that they were wrong about one thing. They might be wrong about everything else, and they were wrong about lots of other things as well. So they denied, they, stood, they were disturbed by the change in understanding. And of course it's more wonderful than that, isn't it? Because Edwin Hubble uh, trained his t- uh, uh, telescope and a group of stars, what we now know to be the constellation of Andromeda, and he discovered that not only does uh, the Earth move and the sun moves round our own uh, 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 galaxy, but when he looked at Andromeda, he realized he was looking at a different galaxy. And there were millions of galaxies out in the universe, and the galaxies themselves are moving. So here's the thing, and I love this. If I, you don't expect speakers to leave the platform if I leave the platform and go for a walk, and then I go back and walk around the other side of the platform and come back to the same place. I haven't come back to the same place. It's not the same place. And it will never be the same place ever again. The place has moved. And it's even more weird than that because because I was moving and you were stood still. Einstein tells me that my time has slowed down as well. I've aged fractionally slower than you because I've been moving and you've been sat down. Weird, isn't it? But absolutely true. Um, so, so we live in a world where, where change is everywhere. But it's not these changes, is it, that really disturb us? The changes that disturb us are not those out in space. We've come to terms with those, other than the Catholic Church, on, 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 on the Catholic Church at the time of Galileo. But we're more concerned with changes closer to us. We're all getting older, aren't we? Shows in some of us more than others, I have to say. Uh, we are changing uh, as we sit here. But the things that really disturb us is the world in which we live is changing. By the seasons yet, yes, but also as a result of development and, and economic growth. Everything changes uh, about us. And the society in which we live Changes. I've only been retired about three years and you have no idea how out of date I feel when I go back to my office, how irrelevant I am. So I knew it would happen, but I didn't think it would be that quick. And and so change is there all about us in society, in the world. It's everywhere. The world in which we live would be unrecognizable to our grandfathers and great-grandfathers and to the... Uh, people of the New Testament, well, it's difficult to imagine what they would think, isn't it? Let alone uh, the patriarchs uh, of the uh, the Old Testament. Everything changes. Whenever I hear about people wanting to say, we must maintain the things that remain, they don't want to maintain things as they were 2,000 years ago. It's always a golden age, about 50 years ago a mythical age where where everything was... fine. My father was convinced the first half of the 20th century was far better than the second half. And there were two world wars and a depression in the first half. But he was convinced it was far uh, better because he wasn't dealing with the problems of the first half. He was dealing with me and the problems of the second half of the uh, 20th century. And so it changes all around us. And generally speaking, we're afraid of it. We resist it. We even try to deny that it's happening. I came across this quotation. I came across it because Margaret pinned it to the back of the cloakroom door, actually. Um, I wonder if you know who it's from. There is nothing more difficult to take in hand, or more perilous to conduct, or more uncertain in success, than to take the lead in the introduction of a new order of things. It must be remembered that there is nothing more difficult to plan More doubtful of success, more dangerous to manage than the creation of a new system. For the initiator has the enmity of all who profit from the preservation of the old institution and merely the lukewarm defenders of those who may gain from the new one. Any guesses? Niccolo Machiavelli. Very wise man, sometimes much maligned. but uh, uh, another example from Scripture... Illustrating the same thing is uh, is the book of Ecclesiastes. I may have quoted this before. I'm getting to that stage where I've quoted everything before. Ecclesiastes chapter seven and verse ten. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely. By the way, it doesn't say whether the former days were better or worse. What it does say is there's no profit. In thinking about it, amazing, uh, isn't, isn't it, that uh, even two or three thousand years ago, people were still saying things ain't what they used to be? It's a strange paradox that we are suspicious of change, and yet it's change that's brought about for us this fairly benign uh, society whereby we are free to worship this way on a Sunday morning. That wouldn't have been the case two or three hundred years ago, and that has come about as a result of people. Uh, bring in change to bear but let's return to the unchangeable nature of God because there is a danger that we can our resistance to change can cause us to, to um, practice some kind of uh, collective deception on ourselves it goes something like this first statement God is one who never changes second statement what never changes is of God third statement, if we never change, we are faithful to God. The first statement is undoubtedly true. The second statement may be true or may not be true, depending on what you're talking about. But the third statement is certainly untrue, for three reasons. Firstly, it denies the universal inevitability of change that we've already uh, observed. Secondly, The narrative of scripture, the story of the Bible, the events recorded in scripture uh, are invariably uh, a story of continual change brought about by uh, the divine will that challenges the individuals to deal with change. Hebrews chapter 11, as many of you will know, is a great chapter about faith. It Tries to describe faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Never really understood that, to be honest. Can't help you too much. I'm 64 years of age and it still confuses me. But the rest of the chapter I have no difficulty with. Because the rest of the chapter that's describing faith is not describing an unchangeable list of beliefs that we must adhere to, it's describing a number of people whose lives are challenged by change. And their faith is, is how they deal with that change and, and, and how they react to it. The, the individuals referred to in Hebrews 11, Noah has to build a big boat when nobody else is building big boats uh, uh, because of the enormous change that's going to overcome his world. Abraham has to, has to up sticks and leave his comfortable urban life in Ur of the Chaldees and for the rest of his life have a change in environment every day. He becomes a nomad. Uh, Jacob's life seems to be one unwelcome change after another. First of all, he's forced to leave home. Then he's forced to go back home—something our parents dread—and and finally, he has to go and live uh, in Egypt with his sons. Joseph—he uh, begins keeping sheep. He has to get used to becoming uh, a slave, and then a prisoner, and then he becomes a prince of Egypt. Interestingly, Moses seems to do the same journey, but in reverse. He begins as a prince of Egypt, and he finishes up tending sheep. First of all, actual sheep, and then the children of Israel. And so on in Hebrews 11, David, Samson, Barak, Samuel. All of their lives are marked by dramatic change brought about by providence, divine providence. And here's the thing. I'm sure at the end of their lives they're in a different place than they were at the beginning of their lives and I don't just mean geographically it was true geographically but I suspect in terms of their mindset and their beliefs and their faith and understanding they were in a different place at the end of their lives than they were at the beginning and the call of the gospel itself of course is uh, a call to change Uh, Romans chapter 12 be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind it it would be a strange church wouldn't it that would call upon everybody else to change radically in their lives uh, and yet be resistant uh, to change themselves uh, wouldn't it the change, the final change doesn't come until the end of times Uh, so change is everywhere I think one of the reasons you are a lively, dynamic, vibrant church, which I've got to say, you appear to those of us who visit you occasionally. I'm sure you have your problems. Who who doesn't? But you are a vibrant, active church. Because you have, over the years, accepted change more readily than others. And if your reaction to me saying that is, yeah, right on, brother, let me just warn you that invariably... People who, who cause change to happen can fall into the trap of believing that's the last change that's necessary. We've now arrived now. We've got it. But let me tell you, and it'll happen sooner than you think. I'm talking to the younger ones here now. You'll get like me. It's a frightening prospect, isn't it? But you'll get old like me, and other people will come along. And you'll be tempted to say, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, whoa! now, let's, let's be careful. Let's hold on to the things that remain. So is there nothing, is there nothing that we can hold on to? Is there no rock anywhere upon which we we, we can take hold uh, and and feel uh, secure? Uh, Henry Francis Leite, who wrote Abide With Me, are you going to talk about this later on? I don't want to steal your script. Um, uh, uh, He was a sick man. He was leaving his home country and he would never return. Change and decay are all uh, change and decay, uh, I could quote it. Uh, in all I see, O thou that changest not, abide with me. And that was very meaningful to a man who was seriously ill at the time. So is there, is there nothing? Well, uh, we know that there is, and you all know where this goes. But it'll be good for us to exercise our minds in it. And I want to conclude just by looking uh, that chapter we took for our introduction 1 Corinthians 13 <clears throat> now just as we most of us know what Hebrews 11 was all about many of us uh, know in fact i heard you asking somebody earlier on do you know 1 Corinthians 13 off by heart so, uh, i suspect there are a number of people here who almost do uh, and we rightly think of it as Paul's great celebration of Christian love or charity, um, and so it is. But the chapter is also as much about impending change as it is about uh, anything else. Uh, let me read to you from verse eight. Forgive me for my love of the King James version. I'm too old to change. I just, I just love it. So, <laughs> will you, will you, pardon? Oh well, there's two of us in there, <laughs> so you will indulge me, I'm sure. But, but verse eight, charity never faileth. But whether they be prophecies, they shall fail; whether they be tongues, they shall cease; whether they be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Paul's talking about things that are going to disappear. It may be the spirit gifts he's talking about. That's one understanding. That I've had. He knows the apostolic age is coming to an end. And in that age, there were people who could prophesy. There were people who could speak in tongues, and everybody heard them in their own language. And there were people who had first hand knowledge and experience of Jesus who had lived in the apostolic age. And he says, These prophesies, they're not going to be here one day soon. These tongues are not going to be here. Those people who knew Jesus firsthand are not going to be here there there was a tremendous change going to come about in that part of the world in the near future and then he goes on to say for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away when I was a child I spake as a child I understood as a child I thought as a child but when I became a man I put away childish things for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure what the Apostle Paul means by that. I think an understanding, which seems to me consistent with the text, is that just like those men and women referred to in Hebrews 11, who I suggested were to a different place at the end of their lives than they were at the beginning of their lives, physically and spiritually, I wonder if in Paul's mind there's a certain element of that. We know the tremendous change he went through on the road to Damascus when somebody was going to make the persecution of Christians, his life, work. is stopped in his path and sent off in a completely different direction. But I think after that time, I wonder if Paul's understanding of his scriptures, but also understanding of himself and understanding of his life and the changes that had come and would come upon him, had caused him to be in a different place, Towards the end of his life than he was at the beginning. Because I am. Ah, I said, well, a few nods. I suspect many of you are. And if you are, do you, do, do you share that with one another? Or are you worried to do so? In the fear that if you change, you are not one of those who's faithful to God. I wonder if that's what Paul is explaining. And if you're like Paul, and a bit like me in this respect. I suspect what has remained firm as a rock are those things that abide, now abideth, and always will abide, faith, hope, and love. And the things that continue, the things that are changeless, are our needs and the way God addresses our needs through those three wonderful things, faith, hope, and love. And we could talk about each of them. And I was planning to, but I think, I think I've taken up enough of your time. You might, you might wish to discuss amongst yourself why is it that those three things, and faith is not just a set of beliefs, faith is Hebrews 11. Why and, does it say, me,
4: why does it say and charity in the AD and
3: faith not in the Well, I did... It means the same thing. Uh, there's a longer answer to that question of why the translation of the authorised version wanted charity rather than love. And we can, we can perhaps talk about that afterwards. I think it's true in the... Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, yes, we'll talk about it afterwards. I shall, I, shall, I shall miss my... But it means exactly the same. It means selfless sacrificial agape love. And we might like to talk afterwards... Why are these things the things that address our eternal needs? Which, whatever changes blow around us, whatever storms blow, faith, hope, and charity uh, will abide forever. Thank you. It's lovely to be with you again and nice to be able to talk to you.
0: So, we come to remember the change from death to life that Jesus brought with his. Sacrificial love, his sacrifice, and the cross. Remember that by singing together first from Praise the Lord, number 38. Hallelujah, my Father, for giving us your Son. Jesus says... The bread that God gives comes down from heaven and brings life into the world. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All that the Father gives me will come to me and anyone who comes to me I will never turn away. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. It is his will that I should not lose even one of you, you that he has given me, but should raise you all up at the last day. For it is my father's will that everyone who sees the son and has faith in him should have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. so we break the bread and Tim will come and ask for God's blessing on it for us before we share it together
5: Lord what an amazing thing it would have been to see your son in front of us to have something visual to remember by and to believe in but we are blessed Lord that we have these words written down that we can see Jesus in what Paul writes, we also have this symbol that demonstrates his life, the kind of regular nature of how loving he was to everyone around him, but also how much he changed for each one he met. And Lord, we are blessed that we can see Jesus in each other as well. Thank you for all of these things and thank you for all this bread that your son shared with us as he did with his disciples. Amen. Let's share together
0: then the bread of life. Jesus says, In very truth I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you can have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which comes down from heaven. It is not like the bread which our fathers ate. They are dead. But whoever eats this bread will live forever and you'll come and offer our thanks for the wine, the blood of Jesus. O Lord God, our Father,
4: we've been thinking about your unchanging nature, the unchanging nature of your love and your concern for men and women through time, which reaches us here today, this morning your unchanging faithfulness and love, your desire to embrace us all. And this cup of wine now reminds us of the extent to which you and your lovely son Jesus went to demonstrate how receptive you are to us. So dear Lord, our Father, we pray that we might just contemplate these wonderful things and that our faith might be increased, our trust might be increased in you, dear Jesus. Help us to think about ways in which we can change our lives to move nearer to the faithfulness and the reassuring nature of of you and your Father. Oh Lord God, we can't fully take it all in, but we do thank you now for these times, for the things that abide forever, the hope we have in you, your love in us. And Father, we pray that our faith too might grow
0: day by day. Amen. Jesus says, That his blood is real drink. Let's share it together and remember him. Break open God this day as bread. Release its riches as new wine. May its very moments be their substance. Bear your presence. And so we end our worship, our remembrance, our celebration of the eternal purpose of God and the love that we experience in Jesus. We're going to sing two songs together. The first, the words will be on the screen is who can know the mind of our creator. It reminds us um, and helps us to remember and stand in awe of the unchanging nature of our Father in heaven. The second that we'll sing straight afterwards is from Praise the Lord. It's number 134. And it reminds us of the abiding nature of God's presence with us. Through many dangers, toils and snares, we've already gone. It was grace that brought us safe thus far. And grace will lead us on. And after we sung those two hymns together, Martin will close our worship with prayer.
6: Lord God, thank you that we live in a world of change. We wouldn't always choose it But the experiences of life change us. The experiences of life mould us. They're frightening, sometimes. Exciting, sometimes. Disturbing, sometimes. But Lord, we can only face change if You are there as the constant, the the rock that doesn't erode in our lives. Father, change without You is terrifying. Lord be the constant in our lives in the, the change that we know needs to be made be there to assure us and to give us some sense of direction and some some sense of bearing in the confusion. And the disorientation of that changing world. Lord, each of us can see in our own lives areas that we need to make different and that we need to change. We can see areas in our communities and in our countries, in our families that need to be changed give us the courage and give us the wisdom to be that change but Lord we look forward to that day when all will change and the certainties will go And new certainties will replace them. A time when everyone will see who you are. And will realize what they have missed all these years. Be with us as we go now, Lord. And watch over us, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.